0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast and welcome to the playoffs. Ooh, it's ooh, the, the CFL playoffs. They have arrived. As always, I'm Reese Shansby, joined by Davey O'Doyle. How are we feeling? It's it, it it's not it's not the fact that I heard
1: Christmas music earlier in my vehicle today. It's playoff football time late in the season. In the CFL and the NFL, it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's Mm -hmm. all there is to it. It is the
0: most wonderful time of the year. And I know it was probably the most wonderful time of the year for our guest coming in here. Mm -hmm. When he and his team won the 5A Provincial Football Championship, we would like to welcome to the Booth Podcast head coach of the Weyburn Eagles, Jody Kerr coach how's it going today excellent thanks reese that's good that's good so how does it feel to finish off such a great season such a successful season with the provincial championship win
2: uh you know what Reese? there's there's nothing better for sure as a coach uh going through a season with a bunch of great kids and uh you know getting the record we had and and uh and attacking some of these big teams that we did throughout our season that was that was number one and then we went got into the playoffs we're like okay now what you know we're riding pretty good high here and boys are playing well and system seems to be going all right i've got to beat yorkton again and and that happened and then now we got to face saskatoon who's perennially in those finals and stuff and and that happened and and then we got three giant and and everything kind of fell into place and it's just it's just wow you know uh, as a coach you, you hope for one chance at these sorts of things. And, and we, we got that this year for sure. And, and we just rode that wave all the way through.
1: Well, coach. So I, I have a question here for you. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, Reese and myself were former players for Mr. Kerr's uh, Wayburn Eagles at a time where he was the OC of the Eagles. Um, and during that time, there was a lot of, let's just say uncommitment un- around the football program. A lot of, you know, in a place like Weyburn where hockey is so popular, how do you attract people, and how do you attract the athletes to come and commit to your football team?
2: That's a great question, um, and it, it's tough for a coach, especially with a community that is very dedicated to hockey and kids grow up playing hockey quite a bit. Um, I think in the in the situation we're in right now, it's it's all about the growth of minor football in our in our community over the last ten years or so. Uh, all the kids in the program right now. Uh, have come up other than maybe three or four have been playing minor football for five to seven years already and and growing up with me as their coach and coach Mickle and coach umbuck and coach Randy Uren uh, and having them and committing to that and and you know you talked if you were to talk to any kid on our team this year they wouldn't even know how to spell hockey you know it, it makes no difference to them right now and and I agree like there's been years where we had to we're dragging guys out to, to make a team or to have enough bodies and and they have other commitments and, and they don't really put football first. But uh, this year we had, you know, 39 kids that had no idea what else was going on in the world except for the football team they were on.
1: Right. So um, it, as, as you were saying there, it's about really about a championship culture from years past. A lot of those players were a part of the Bantam championship teams. Um, in your opinion, as the head coach, what do you like to do to build a championship culture in, in, in a high school football team?
2: Well, I think uh, culture, this is, it's amazing how fast this happened this year, right? Um we're kind of uh, starting a new, we wanted to start it last year, of course, with new culture and, and uh, starting things off. But uh, we lost that season with the COVID kind of outbreak and things like that. So we're kind of pushed into it this year. So in my opinion, as a head coach with this team, for sure, we were very reliant on the culture built by other head coaches in minor football. Um, the respect uh, for each other, whether it's the players to themselves and players to coaches, uh, that has to be number one. There has to be respect in your locker room. There has to be respect between your players, no matter the age. And, and this year was very, I'm going to say strange. It's a good strange, but it's still strange that, you know, a grade 12 starter or leader um, can stand beside a grade nine new to the program and not think anything different of it. You know, because we, we had grade nine starters on our offensive line all season, and we had several grade 10 starters that were ahead of grade 12 kids. And it didn't matter. These kids were just, hey, you know what? Uh, I got my role. Um, I'd love to do more. And they challenged all season for more. And that was one of the big pushes for us too. You know, as, as a coach, you you know who your first 12 are. But uh, this year, we had probably five or six guys that were just barely out and would challenge every week for that starting spot. So, So that respect level for sure, that challenging for those starting spots and working hard every week. And, and then rewarding them with playing time. And that was big this year, too. We had uh, several games where we got those other guys in. And we had uh, five uh, JV games for our grade nines and tens, too. So that was huge for our, for our guys that don't play as much.
0: That's great. Yeah. So as uh, Davey alluded to, you were the offensive coordinator when we played for the team. What, is, what are some of the challenges you face when you take over for a long-term head coach like Darren Abel? What are some of the challenges that arise?
2: Well, I think uh, the biggest challenge would be to make adjustments without changing the, the culture. You know, there's still something you want to have um, as you stand out as a head coach. You don't just want to walk in somebody else's shoes. You still want to have kind of your own impression. So there still has to be uh, some um, respect for tradition and things that have happened in the program. And because the people before you have built that program and that's what uh, uh, Coach Cott and uh, Coach Abel have done for, for many years and, and making sure that uh, this program is viable and, and making sure that the, the good years come because the hard work's put in. Um, so, you know, I have to bring my own flavor to the mix for sure as a head coach. And uh, if the kids buy into it, which I guess this year they did, which is great. Um, but I also, uh, was greatly appreciated of Darren Abel staying on and on our coaching staff. And, and he's still offering great support and great aspects to our practices and, and in, in, in our games, he's now our booth guy. So he still gets to stay nice and warm upstairs all the time, which is, uh, we're kind of jealous of him. We were a little on Friday cause it was, it was kind of cold, but, uh, yeah, re- respect of of them and, and making sure that, uh, the program doesn't change completely because it doesn't need to, Right
1: would you say that during your season there was one game or a certain point where you kind of put the pieces together, like, wow, this team could really compete to be a 5A champion, or would you say it was more just consistency and growth, having good weeks of practice and winning each game?
2: um, I think uh, there's a couple of games for sure that I would attribute that to. And it's, it's about the boys, uh, the players, really having the belief in themselves when it happened right so very first game of the year we played Yorkton and uh, the last time we played Yorkton would have been the uh the playoff game two seasons ago and we went up to Yorkton and we we're the fourth place team play number one and I think it was like 55 to nothing like it was not even close and they were just that good that year and and kudos to Yorkton on that season right so we're coming into this year's like hey we got to. We got to do something different. So, like, I challenged Coach Mickle to come up with a defense that Yorkton hadn't seen before. We we basically spent the first three weeks, not even thinking about every other game, but just what can we do to beat Yorkton, right? And we came in and it was a great game, back and forth, not a lot of scores, and we scored late to take the lead and held on to that win, ten nine. And it's was, it's was just funny because our boys like took the field like it was the last game of the season, right? It was it was hilarious. Um, so I guess that game gave them the belief. That they could win because nobody had beaten Yorkton for a while or or come close like that. Right. And then game two that I think built our boys up was the central game. Uh, Moose Jaw Central is always another tough game and they've been getting all the minor football kids in Moose Jaw basically to their school. So they got a ton of talent, ton of size. And I had to miss that game, uh, unfortunately, uh, due to a family funeral, along with my son, Connor, who's on the team also as our uh, leading receiver and backup quarterback. So he missed that too. But uh, And they won that one 16-8 uh, to eight without us there, and, and that built some belief, right? So, so now they are like, okay, I think this is possible, right? And, and, then, and then we came to our, our league final against Yorton again. And I, I honestly think that the room was still pretty nervous. That you know, did we escape the first game? Uh, did we really earn that win or whatever? Right. And now we got to play them again. And then uh, and and it just happened again. And and after that game, uh, the other two, the next two didn't matter. Like they 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 felt they could beat anybody. Once they beat Yorkton in that city championship game or that league championship game, it did. The two, the other two were were big games, but. They weren't even worried about it. So it was calm and confident and, and amazing. Great. Just get the
1: monkey off your back
2: that was Yorkin, I guess, eh? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So
0: we've kind of been looking as, as some members of the former team. We always looked at this when we were on the team. And Canada Football Chat has you guys as the number two small school in Canada is this something that you, you see and you feel proud of as coach, or is this something that you don't even really look at as a coach and kind of just put to the side?
2: Oh, first of all, I'm like, why, why the heck aren't we number one? Like, <laughs> come on guys. But, uh, uh, you know what? I, I heard of that site a couple of seasons ago and the kids follow that and and they don't use a ton of information for it, but because they can only get so much information across Canada. But it is something that the boys really watch close. So they found it kind of in our start of our playoff run. And they're hey, coach, we're ranked number 20 in the country here. And, and we won our league, right? And Okay, well, good. And what does it say? And they kind of rattled off a few things. So um, it's definitely prideful for sure. And, and it's, uh, it's just one of those extras that you know people are watching. And I think uh, two things that I've said to my kids for sure is uh, is, or one one main thing is when when you get people's attention, uh, it opens up doors. Right. Um, By our program being recognized on that list and moving up the rankings with our wins and beating the teams that we did from Yorkton in the league final and Saskatoon BJM, and then Balgoni we were facing coaches in each of those programs that help at the Canadian junior level and the CIS level. And our kids got noticed. And for any of our kids that want to continue in football, like it was just awesome. Uh, I know that the head coach from BJM is one of the coaches with the Saskatoon Hilltops, which I'm still associated with as a former player, but, but they would have never been seen by those scouts if we didn't play them. And for, for the guys that are graduating and looking to play and keep playing football, like there's, there's no substitute for that. Uh, You can send game film on and thing to these places, but when they hear, oh, you were on that team, oh, you were ranked there. Like there, there's a reason that they give you those rankings and, and these boys earned it. So uh, they, they were, I swear they were probably. Re- refreshing their screen constantly for a couple of days. They're waiting for those new rankings after the Balgoni game to try and uh, see if what has changed, right?
0: <laughs> Davey, you got any more questions for coach?
2: I think if we're wrapped up there, I'll just
1: say uh, congratulations, coach, on a great season. Uh, it sounds like you have a great foundation laid if you had grade nine, grade 10 starters. Enjoy your rest in the off season. And uh, we look forward to seeing more Waver and Eagles dominance in the next season.
2: Right on, guys. I really appreciate it, and and, uh, and the boys just love getting a little extra word out about their program. Because uh, and you guys too for being uh, some of our uh, former players. You know, it's great to see you guys uh, watching and listening and and seeing our program still through. Perfect. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us, Coach. Thank you. No problem, guys. Have a great night. You too.
0: What a great interview with Coach Kerr. Just just congratulations again, Coach, and to that entire team on the provincial championship amazing amazing so as we mentioned earlier let's get into the playoffs but first i guess we should review the final week of the regular season it didn't mean much (laughs) there were some not great games but we can go through them quick we'll breeze through them
1: we'll let you guys know in case you missed it what happened in this meaningless week but just know we're as excited as you are to get to the playoffs.
0: Here. Oh, we are so excited. So we are going to quickly run through these. Uh, Edmonton at Toronto on Tuesday night. Um, Toronto playing their backups. Edmonton playing for nothing. Edmonton comes out with the 13-7 to 7 win. Anything really to say about that one? Uh, I'm just happy that I picked Edmonton to win that one game and they did. Yep.
1: But like 13-7 says what it needs to say, right? Like you had backups in. Not a lot of high production on offense. You know what I mean? Just, just trying to get the ball down the field, but
0: Hey man, whatever. One game down, one game down. And then we moved in to the shocker of the week, the game that meant something Ottawa and Montreal, Montreal playing, they win. They have a chance to host the East semifinal. If Hamilton loses. And they go out oh, and lose 19-18 to 18 to the lowly Ottawa Red Blocks. What?
1: I, not only is that, like, horrendous, because, like, you need – A, you could have you at least had a chance to host the playoff game. B, you guys didn't finish the game. That was how it was. You let it slip away. It's not like you guys are playing from behind. You just let it slip away. No finish. And then, C, you needed momentum going into Hamilton now. And you have none.
0: Not a not an ounce of momentum for Montreal. Then we move on again back with the Edmonton Elks, their third game in six days, and it showed because they dropped to the BC lines 43 to 10.
1: All I saw of this game, I was wrestling that night, and I saw when we were taking down the ring and stuff, highlighting all it was was just showing repeated highlights of different BC lions with the ball running down the field. Yeah. And then I looked at the score and I was like, I don't really think I missed anything
0: in this game. Right? Nope. That was another nine thirty kickoff as well. So for those anywhere, but BC who stayed up to watch that game, good on you. Cause that good was a late you, one. I, and I I thought that thought was not a good it. one. We didn't. Yeah. Miss it. No. Then we move in to our next meaningless game, which was Hamilton and Saskatchewan, at the point of the kickoff of that game, both teams had clinched their spots thanks to the Montreal loss. Um, Hamilton, unfortunately, still had to play some of their starters because they had already submitted their depth chart and game day roster. And it showed they came out with a 24-3 to win. That was a tough one for the Riders, but it was good to get them back up some valuable reps.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was, like, alarming stuff to see. Like, some of the line play and the passing game stuff was quite alarming. Yeah. But I think the most – I mean, it, it's a meaningless game. Nobody cared one way or the other. I couldn't have cared less what the yeah. score was. But um, interesting to see how long Hamilton kept their starters in. I think they kept most of them until half, which was surprising. Yeah. I don't know really what the strategy was for that, but – I don't know. We're all on to bigger fish to
0: fry here, both these teams. So, yeah, definitely. De- definitely. And speaking of bigger fish to fry, these teams are on to it too. Winnipeg, Calgary. Calgary comes out of there with the 13 to 12 win, both of them playing some backups. Zach Caleros did see some time for the Bombers, but wasn't enough.
1: Um, This is interesting. Like, I, again, these, do these games say a lot? Maybe not. But if you're a Calgary fan, it's been probably nice to know at least you got a win under your belt for some momentum and that you're even your, your depth is enough to keep up with Winnipeg's depth, which is a different story when you have all your starters in but it's probably, they're probably feeling kind of okay about that I'd, I'd assume but like hey man whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that wraps up week 16 in the CFL. Um, before the playoffs start we did get a little bit of breaking news today uh the Edmonton Elks board of directors has terminated the contracts of their president and CEO their GM and their head coach all out of there I think it's the right move for that Edmonton team
1: yeah we've we've been on the last three weeks when you've been listening all we've really done is been like hey man this Edmonton thing's a mess they need to start clean and it's good to see that it's not just a scapegoat head coach move you know it's the GM, even the CEO, which you don't see that often, but like they cleaned right from the top down. So it might be a slow process for the Elks here, but like they're in the right direction. You have to build up. Um, I saw they hired Wally Buono to help yes. with the hirings, right? Which yeah. is, if anybody knows anything about Wally Buono in the CFLs, that guy has coached, has GMed. He is a guy who knows the CFL inside and out, and that's a good name to have when you're having someone consult
0: with you about how to build a winning franchise, right? Yeah. That was just a a organization with that, that leadership group was creating a terrible environment for players. Even we even saw guys like Derek Dennis completely sit out the season because of that group and breaking news on booth Twitter today. Dessert. Derek Dennis so, uh, says he will be back for next season with a new leadership group in Edmonton. We so actually great might've th- broke that one first. I we, think we might've broke that one first.
1: Maybe the only time ever we break a story first, Derek Dennis does not like the leadership at Edmonton. It's gone. He will be back next year.
0: Good job for us. Chalk one up for the booth. Chalk it up. Chalk it up. The league is better with guys like Derek Dennis in it. So Derek, I don't think you'll be listening to this, but if you are, Welcome back. Welcome back there, Dennis. Rock and roll, buddy. Get some pancake blocks in you. There, there we go. There we go. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for. It is time for the CFL playoffs. The oh, East boy. semifinal, the West semifinal, the winners going to the finals, and the winners of that going to the Grey Cup in Hamilton on December 12th. Oh, boy, am I ready for this.
1: It's been been a day for me, and I have collected stats that I think are important for these games. Whichever way you want to start it, I have stats that will help us break this down. I've been, with my statistician hat on, I'm ready.
0: Oh, oh, this is great. This is great. Let's kick it off with our preview of the East semifinal, Montreal- Going in to Hamilton, oh boy, this should be a good one, I think.
1: See, that's the thing about this game is we said, hey, man, Montreal has no momentum coming into this game, but this is still a good team now with a proven winning quarterback. And it's it's the CFL, man, anything could happen. I I have a stat here for Montreal that's interesting. As far as team offense which is mostly like the important ones in team offense were yards per game and points, as well as specifically in the past game, Montreal is the top rated unit in the CFL.
0: Really? Yes. I would not have pegged them for
1: that. Me either. That's, That's... What I said. A lot of these, a lot of these stats surprise me,
0: honestly. I mean, we, we have seen success out of that Montreal offense. They are. I'm just looking at stats now, too. Yes, they did lead the league except for Winnipeg in points for this season. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those
1: overall offense, they were like the first offense. And I was like, wow, like I wouldn't, you wouldn't peg that, right?
0: Yeah. Especially in a season where we had a dominant team like Winnipeg.
1: Right. And I mean, even so, and that's with Winnipeg using three quarterbacks pretty much this year, too. Yeah. That tells you, I mean, that tells you the year that. Guys like Eugene Lewis and Jake Winicky and those kind of guys had though, right? Yeah. To be have this kind of passing production. So I mean, that's something to watch out. Watch for Montreal to air this ball out. Not to mention that it said. I think it said overall they're they were seventh in team rushing. But like William Standback is an absolute unit on his yeah, own. You can led say- the league in rushing. So maybe he was the only production. But that dude's a pretty significant piece of
0: production. Well, when you got the one guy. They can do it yeah. down to down to down. Right. Yeah. You're not going to have other guys that are going to have much success because they're cold.
1: They're right. coming when in the games
0: cold. And the thing is like, so you have Standback, the leading
1: rusher in the game. You have the best passing offense. Standback is more effective when he's rushed and vice versa. The passing game is more effective because they have to respect William Standback's running ability. Right. So that offense maybe is a bit more balanced than even we realized.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think anybody here who's saying Montreal has no shot in this game after the loss to Ottawa, after the kind of up and downs they've had this season, the 500 record, look at the stats because they're not lying, and this Montreal team is a good team still. When we're going to talk about offense, an interesting stat for the Cats here. Hamilton Tiger Cats,
1: fifth in rushing offense, fifth in passing defense, fifth in overall, or fifth in old passing offense, Fifth in overall offense. This team is fifth across the board. Wow.
0: Very, very in the middle team.
1: Yeah, I I mean, hey, like stats always don't tell the whole story. Yes. There's gonna be other stuff that comes up that may be a better indicator, but it's interesting to see, right? Even so, you know what I mean? A guy like Brandon Banks had a down year. Um, Mazzoli was in and out, but Hamilton's still a team that has a lot of weapons, good offensive line play. Um, the fifth-best rushing attack according to this, and two quarterbacks who can get it done,
0: right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when we talk about them, we, we have seen some amazing things from, from Jeremiah Masoli this year. But yep. Dane Evans is also right behind him. If something were to happen, this team's known out of it. You can't say that for all the teams in this. Right. I mean, in Montreal, you got Schultz, He did have success this year. But outside of that, we haven't seen – a ton of backup production as far as yeah. the quarterbacks go from these other
1: teams. So I guess quick note to mention, these teams are one in one in the two times that I could find that they met this year. So a dead split, even split. If you think this one team has a clear edge, maybe think again because they split their games. Um, jumping over to the defensive side of the ball. Here's an ugly stat against the run. The Montreal defense is dead last in the CFL. Oh, not that Hamilton has the most ferocious no. running game, but even to know that your front does not get after it when it's been run on, right?
0: Yeah. That's a bad stat to have in
1: in the playoffs.
0: That's shocking to me when you had a team like Edmonton that was just notoriously so bad against the run, and they weren't the worst. Nope.
1: Wow. And then, and then uh, our boys Hamilton there
0: were sixth against the run, so right okay. in the middle still. Yeah. Hamilton, as far as those stats look like they're that kind of neutral team, but those are sometimes the scariest teams because they can just, they haven't exerted all their energy. They haven't put everything they have into that regular season. And now they hit that playoffs and they can just glide it up and take it all the way to a cup. Right. And then against the past Montreal,
1: fourth, Hamilton third against the past. So these teams really step it up against the past. Those DBs have, whether people have noticed it or not have been playing really well I guess according to these stats right
0: yeah definitely
1: Montreal 25 takeaways Hamilton 23 takeaways this year 49 sacks for the owls led the league 31 sacks for Hamilton that's the big difference wow. for me. Yeah. No, it's like those no wonder why those passing numbers are so
0: good though right 49 sacks yeah wow yeah. Yeah, because that's for, that's that's your sacks. Cause if you're getting that many sacks, how many pressures are you getting? And how many of those pressures lead to incomplete passes, lead to interceptions, right. lead to Absolutely. knockdowns?
1: Yeah. And there's an interesting stat that I, I looked at for all the defenses this year, it seemed really strange how they were ranked. And we'll bring up another stat related to this later. But as far as yards per game was allowed, Hamilton was a top three defense against the rush, even though it said they were the sixth best overall yards per game. They have the third best. Okay. So like, I'm not sure exactly how the stats measure out. I just read them on CFL.ca don't shoot the messenger, but that's an interesting little like discrepancy in that, like to make you think, man, maybe Hamilton's a little bit better than, than they're being
0: ranked here. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So that is the stats of it all. That's the stats. Yep. Now we get down to the how things feel. How are we feeling about this one? Yeah. Um.
1: See, there's always the thing with this. Who has the momentum? Hamilton has the momentum. Yeah. Who has the home field? Hamilton has the home field. Who has more experience in the playoffs, coaching staff down? Hamilton has it all. massoli has been a little bit hotter this year than Trevor Harris has now that he has to switch over to the Montreal system. It's tough to say straight out Hamilton's going to win, but it feels like a lot of things are lined up for Hamilton here.
0: It really does. And I don't want to go back to it too much, but we did allude to it a couple of weeks ago. The similarities we see between this Hamilton team and the 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it's almost creepy right how similar these seasons look with the gray cup being at home some of the adversities they face throughout the season it feels like a team that's that's had so much against them at certain points and so much for them at certain points that it just measured out to where they're at that perfect balance with their confidence they're not overconfident they're not kind of out of it and, and not confident at all about their chances. This is a team that thinks they can win, but aren't expecting to win.
1: The, the thing that's answered really weird for me about Hamilton is like, I think I've picked this team to like win the Grey cup, probably like five of the last like eight years. I swear, man, they've like, yeah. they've looked like that team. They've been so close in the 2019 Grey cup. Of course they played, played the bombers and they got blown out, but they're the best team in the league. 2019, which was last year technically for the CFL. They were in the Great Cup in 2013 and lost. 2014 lost a heartbreaker there. This team is so close. And like this team, a lot of these guys, a lot of these coaches know exactly what it's like to be in the Great Cup. And they just haven't got it yet. And you almost wonder, like, at home,
0: is this the one that they're owed? You know what I mean? Well, this is the team too. After Winnipeg's win last year, they now have the longest drought of Grey Cup championships in CFL history. Or CFL history. CFL right now since 99. Yeah. So they're hungry for it. They want it. Yeah, I mean, but let's
1: not forget, like I said, leading the league in sacks, leading rusher, best passing offense in the game. Montreal isn't just going to lay down, right? This is a team that's, shown they beat winnipeg maybe not at full starting strength but have a win against winnipeg have been very frisky throughout the year and now have a more experienced quarterback at the helm like this is a, this is by no means as much as we want to put hamilton up on this pedestal like this seems like a good year for them this could very easily be
0: montreal's game too well and the amount that some people are putting hamilton up on that pedestal helps montreal Absolutely. Teams always love to be an underdog when they go into a game.
1: Yeah. It's that, it's that Michael Jordan thing where you make your own narrative, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. So as a Montreal team, you know, they're talking about it all week. They see the things on Twitter and they're just laughing in their heads. Like, wait till we show them. Wait till we come out on that field on Sunday and show them we're a football team too. Yeah.
1: I think the interesting thing about every team in this playoffs, I can, maybe outside of Toronto, I can confidently say is like, because Toronto has such a small sample size of coaching is all of these coaches have proven for at least a couple of years that they are very good coaches. Yeah. Kahari Jones turned around Montreal has made this, this team have a, a good culture, a real chip on their shoulder, have something to prove he's the, the players love him. You can see when he's dancing before the game and stuff, the players respond to him. Coach Steinauer for the tie Cats. If if you've watched CFL games, enough has been said about how good Steinauer is, how much the tie Cats organization and players love him. He got this team to a great cup last year. They're 15 and 3, weren't they? Or 15, something like that. 15 yeah. wins. Technically 2019 was just last season. But yeah. Like it it's I'm not sure really there's an edge, maybe just for experience. Steinauer and the Ticats have the experience. These are two good coaches
0: as well. These are. I think Kari Jones, I don't think this is his year for for the award, but I think there's an award for him in his near future. That Montreal team is on the ups. If it's not their year this year, it's gonna be in years to come very soon. Should we pick this one? I think we should pick this one. I don't know who I'm picking yet.
1: I'm gonna stick with the TIE cats on this one. I think said. If- it feels right. It feels right to pick the Ty cats for me. And I mean, in a, in my mind, it seems right. In my heart, it feels right. So there's no
0: way I can go wrong. Right. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to play the underdog here. I'm going to pick Montreal on this one. I All think right. you convinced me with some of those stats, just how, how good that Montreal offense has been this year. How good William Standback has been this year. This Montreal team, they're the underdog in this game, and I think they're gonna feed off of that and they're gonna come out and upset Hamilton and head to the East Final.
1: This is an interesting game because like we'll see how this game actually is. Like, I can't say this for certain, but the way that just the way that Toronto feels to me, I almost feel like whoever wins this game will beat Toronto. Like I said, we'll see if there's any big injuries, we'll see if these teams come out and play like absolute dog shit, or how this game is before. I make any sort of prediction that way, but that's just kind of the feeling I get. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, same. Same. Toronto's that team that's kind of been up and down all year. Yeah. And I almost feel like the extended break they've had here, because their last game was on Tuesday. So right. they now have a very long bye until, very long. Yep. until that, that Eastern final.
1: But we'll get to that. We'll get to that next
0: week. We'll get to that next week. Don't worry. This is going to be a few great weeks of the local sports podcast from the booth with the CFL playoffs coming. Oh, I'm so ready. And I am so ready for this one. I am so ready for the Western semi final. The visiting eight and six Calgary Stampeders come down the road to Mosaic Stadium to take on. The nine and five Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Your Saskatchewan Rough Riders.
1: Yours, our everybody, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The big money in the CFL, baby. Hey,
0: the boys will be there too. Oh, we'll be there. We I would say. Tickets, we will be there. We got our tickets. Keep your eyes out. We'll probably put out a little quick game preview right before the game on our socials. Booth Boys on location miniature yeah but we get
1: into a little bit of the stats here Calgary did have the season series 2-1 after those three straight games but I mean let's be honest that was in that down part of our season where all of our receivers were on the fritz our offense was not cooking at all um but you have to still take into account Calgary did beat us twice so that's something um let's break down on some offensive stats here Doesn't look very favorable on the green because of how the offense has been so up and down this year. Overall offensive rank, Stampeders, third. Riders, seventh. Okay. Okay. Passing, Calgary, seventh overall. Riders, eighth overall.
2: Oh.
1: Oh, yikes. Yeah. Rushing, Stampeders. Kadeem Carey and the boys, fourth overall. Riders, sixth overall. So that's how the offense is shakedown right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah,
0: and it's it's predictable. This this Riders offense hasn't been the reason they've won games this year. It's really been on that defense. Um, again, this has been a such an injury riddled season for the Riders. Yeah. Just dealing with so many key players being injured, like Shaq Evans, now Kyran Moore. That receiving core, especially, has been tested very hard at times. And it showed with things like the deep ball that we've heard over and over again about the issues there. I think a big part of this offense that's overlooked
1: is for how good the riders O-line has been in certain games. It has been equally bad in some games. Yeah. Right. I said like right now, I think we're going to, we're as healthy as we're going to get. It's time to go. We'll see what we get. It's a new season when the playoffs, but this offensive line is really truly is a mirror of this offense for how up and down it has been yeah and you know like i said it's it's reflected in that how bad that offense was at passing for a bit um said so hopefully moss has something tricky hopefully we get powell going yeah yeah I and this i have, i have confidence in this offense it's just it hasn't shown consistently all year
0: yeah i think a big part about this too is we've seen the coming on of Duke Williams in the past couple weeks. Right. And that's a guy who is only, yes, come on and come on to the team in the past few weeks. So that's not reflected in a lot of those stats. So we'll see how things shake out from there.
1: And the, these, these defensive stats are the ones that I am incredibly suspect on. I'm oh, no. these. Okay. Against the rush Stan Peters second in the league against the past Peters second in the league really okay against the rush the riders seventh in the league what right i don't know if that's right did i see this right because like remember when i said hamilton had the same thing but they had one of the lowest uh run yards per game averages yeah the riders have the second lowest behind winnipeg for rush yards per game and i'm sitting here i'm like how can the defense of our rushing defense be this bad though i don't understand either Right. So I'm like, I, I can see all of these stats, but I don't understand that. And then versus the past, we've been eighth, eighth in the league.
0: Okay.
1: And I can, I can see that though, because we, our DPs do let stuff go. They just don't usually bust the big play as
0: often. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm looking at the stats too. I'm just not sure how, what the algorithm is here. The CFL uses to decide how to rank these teams. So that's some of the areas where these things get a little, in muddy waters especially I mean, on the defensive side of the have, ball
1: we have against the rush the seventh ranked defense against the rush but we have the second best against the rush yards per game we allowed the yeah. second least. right so i don't know how it works it's a it's probably been really skewed by the last couple of weeks where we didn't play very good but hey exactly but here's some stats that will make our hearts a little bit happier uh takeaways for the Stampeders this year, 15, 25 for the Green and White. Ooh. All right, 32 sacks this year for the Stamps, 47 sacks for the Green and White, including the top two
0: sack getters in the league, A.C. Leonard, Jonathan Woodard. There we go, boys. That's not to mention that A.C. Leonard, yes, led the league in sacks while being sus- ugh, suspended for three games. We missed three games, yeah.
1: Like, let's say, let's optimistically add three more sacks to that 11. He probably could have
0: 14, right? Exactly. Missing three games in a 14-game season and still coming out on top is amazing for AC Leonard.
1: So, I mean, when I look at this game, as far as those stats went, it skewed Calgary really bad. Yeah. But then you look at takeaways, you look at sacks, you look at record, you look at home field advantage, you look at the fact that we didn't win the season series – you fact that we've heated up, we've got our offense, our passing game back and click anyways. William Powell has fresh legs, hasn't been used that often. And like we've been saying, our defense, I don't think they've even played as good as they are this whole year nope. yet. And this is the week where they probably will. So, I mean, as these stats go, I think these are very like confusing stats, but I don't really take a lot of – like,
0: uh, I don't put a lot, of, a lot on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think this is a game where you really have to feel it out. There's these are two teams that have both changed so much over the course of the season. I look at Calgary and how they started, and it was we were all so shocked. Like, this is not the Calgary we know. This is Calgary. I don't understand. They've lost so many games, but Levi's playing so bad. What's happening? And then the second half of the season came and they looked like the Calgary of old. Uh, Bo still had a few interceptions that were. A little iffy if you're a Stamps fan. You probably didn't like to see those, but they still turned on. They won the games. They ended the season with a winning record. And, And now they go into Saskatchewan against a Saskatchewan team that has been so up and down all year. It's been one week we think they're the best team in the league. The next we think they're the worst team in the league, and we don't know what's happening. But they feel like they're hitting the right stride.
1: The thing is, I think this is, for as much as we've heard, this hasn't quite been the same Fajardo that we had last year. It hasn't been this or that. This is the type of game where Cody Fajardo, I think, is going to earn his stripes. This is a game where the gloves are off. We we've for weeks we told that guy, hey man, you need to slide. Yeah. We don't need you getting destroyed, dude. This is the playoffs now. If you want to throw your weight at these guys, as long as you don't tear your shoulder out, we'll take it. Yes. This is where you get the extra yards. This is where you get the gritty stuff on the ground. This is where our defense has no room for, if I'm wrong, you can argue with me. Our secondary almost seems
0: bored at times playing. Yeah, I, I can see that. Like in my opinion, like
1: our front seven seems like they're always getting after it. It seems good. Our secondary sometimes seems a bit bored. Like those Nick Marshall. I'm going to see if I can lure this guy to throw me a pick that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think now that it's the playoffs, these guys won't have time to be bored. No, they'll be really dialed in. And I think this will probably be the best riders defense.
0: We'll see. This will be a defense that carries us. Right. Yeah. Going back to Cody as well. We have not seen yet healthy playoff Cody Fajardo and we've sure. seen that healthy regular season where he's playing with reckless abandonment and we're all like stop and now nobody's telling him to stop right and he doesn't have two torn oblique muscles right yeah yeah you're right I remember so yeah. this will be a different Cody Fajardo than we saw against Winnipeg in the west final last year where he did sure. yes play with two torn oblique muscles so I, I know it's been a while, but props to you on that, Cody. That was sure. impressive. So now let's yeah. see what you can do healthy.
1: Yeah, so, and I think the things too, is you don't want to put too much stock in it, especially when a guy like Bolivia is so decorated, yeah. but there's something to be said about he has thrown some very un, uncharacteristic, god, god awful picks this year. Our defensive line has the top two guys in sacks. 47 sacks on the year up front is where we're getting our money. Like this guy's going to have pressure in his face. This guy's going to have the entire stadium raining down on him. It's, I wouldn't be surprised to see believe I come out and have a not as banner day as he'd hope.
0: No. And Bo has had some very big issues throwing picks against the riders this year. And right. I think that has a lot to do with the D line. And how how much pressure they've been able to get on him. I'm just looking at it quick. The stats on his interceptions versus us. But I believe it was drumroll, please. In the first game, he had one. In the second game, he had two. In the third game, he had three. Oh, so the fourth game he'll have four. (laughs) So he'll have four interceptions. I see how the trenches in the West semifinal.
1: But I so think yes, that, that game that we won against them though was the third one, right? And that was us by far the most healthy, coming yeah. in focused. Um, so I mean, that's probably hey maybe Calgary. There's somebody doing a Calgary Stampeder's podcast right now saying, "Look at those first two games. That's the best indicator." But yeah. when I look at it, in my point of view, your latest game is probably your best indicator. What you're closest to, what your team is now the
0: riders at their most healthy, and we won that game, and Bo Levi threw three picks, right? Yeah, exactly. That was the game we got Shaq Evans back in the lineup. We right. had Duke Williams in the lineup. Um, we started two brand-new corners, and Bo still threw three interceptions. Those right. corners have now had time to gel in this system. They're just more comfortable playing on this defense. So I don't I don't want to predict a Bo Levi four-interception game, but – <laughs> so, you, you think it's time to pick? Oh, I guess so. I guess we can pick this one. You you start this time. You start this time. Well, I'm not picking against the Riders. <laughs> this is the West Semi-Final. This is Mosaic Stadium. This is Rider Nation. You're not going to come in here in the West Semi-Final, Calgary, and win against Saskatchewan. It's not going to happen. Bye-bye. Go home. Yeah.
1: Like I said, I think – I could see the Thai Cats winning by maybe – maybe even like 10 points, just how it goes. Unfortunately, I don't think the West final is going to be a blowout either way. I just don't see that with how these teams have matched up, how this rivalry is. But uh, there's no shot as we're both wearing rider gear right now that I can pick against the riders. Me and my old man got some tickets to go. We're going to the final. I'm not sitting out there in the cold just to see the riders lose and they will not make us do that. It's going to be a riders W onto Winnipeg next week.
0: It will be. It will be. That is our playoff preview.
1: No bias in it. No bias. In no it. bias.
0: You can't say all. there's any
1: bias. You can't say.
0: If right. you're a Calgary fan listening to the, this podcast, why, why yeah, are you the, here?
1: That's the first question is why, why. And, and if you're, you're still listening
0: some... <laughs> prompts.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Please like share, like, and share and, whatever leave a review but like hey dude there's probably some schmoes in alberta right now doing this too so like maybe go listen to that one but hey we appreciate it anyways we do
0: appreciate it we do appreciate it and uh as we mentioned before the finals will be against toronto and winnipeg those will take place on december 5th Mm -hmm. and the winners of that will go to the gray cup on december 12th
1: on december 12th in hamilton it's supposed to be a beautiful day out there we right before we started this we looked at the schedule for the for the west semi it's supposed to be plus one in regina
0: that's one in regina for a, at, at the end of november wow. that's that's nicer than we could have ever expected so knock on wood that it stays that way
1: seems seems like uh the old football gods are throwing us a nice softball there i think uh I think the day is supposed to be for the green that day. That's, that's the, that's the feeling that I get.
0: I I, I get that feeling too. I do get that feeling. Got any other closing thoughts before we wrap this podcast up?
1: <sighs> Nothing to say, man. I looked at the stats. I've, we've talked about it and like, Hey man, the CFL playoffs is, is a wild time. We've seen so many upsets. We've seen eight and eight teams win the gray cup. It's yeah. why we love this league and why this league, at the same time might infuriate us, but enjoy it. Love it. Most important three weeks of the year. And, uh,
0: go riders. Go go riders. Go as always follow us on Instagram, Twitter at the booth EC stay tuned to those channels on game day. Uh, we'll, we'll put something up there previewing the game live from Mosaic. I don't know if we'll go live, but we'll put something up. so 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 keep your eyes on on the social channels buy some merch there may be some changes coming to the merch uh system in the upcoming week or days here so keep your eyes on that we'll keep you updated we'll give you all the info you need
1: uh yeah and find your wherever you find podcasts like i said leave a review subscribe i mean it's easy stuff but that stuff really helps
0: it really helps we
1: can ask of you right If you can't, if you don't, if you don't buy the merch, why not? That's the first question. But if you can't, for some reason, at least subscribe and like, that's all we ask. Please
0: do. Please do. Share and it then with, and, share and it with one green. friend. Yeah. Share it with one friend and then ask them to share it with one friend. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And then after you're
1: done that, go put on something green and wear it till Sunday.
0: Wear it till Sunday. Don't take your green off until December 13th. It's it. It's. It's bad taste. It's a good fashion choice to wear green until the Riders win the Grey Cup. Exactly. Exactly. As always, I've been Reese Shansby. He has been Davy O'Doyle. And we are ready for some playoff football. Let's go Riders.